autonomy, a fancy word for describing your kid's need to get you out of their business and accept them as an almost grown-up individual. It's not a giant leap to say that your kid's push for autonomy is one of the primary overarching themes during adolescence, and it can really suck for parents. They're going places without you. They're talking to and hanging out with people you've never even met before. They've developed major opinions about everything, often in opposition to yours, but they don't seem to want to share much of their life with you anymore. Everything seems secret or vague and ambiguous and, frankly, a little scary. This is Speaking of Teens, the podcast that helps parents who are struggling to find peace and connection with their teens. My name is Ann Coleman. I'm an attorney turned parent educator and a mom who's been there. And I'm on a mission to help you build a stronger relationship and decrease the conflict with your kid so you can help them grow into the young adult they're meant to be. All during adolescence, as a parent, you have to figure out how to balance your kid's need for autonomy with your need for parental control. They're becoming their own person, individuating, and you want that because you don't want them living in your basement when they're 35 years old, but they want more authority now to make their own decisions. They want more freedom, more say in their life. They want you to listen to them and consider their side of things and to respect their need for all of this. You have to respect it because if you don't, you'll be locked in a constant power struggle with each of your kids until the day they leave home. One element of this autonomy they're seeking is their strong need for privacy in certain aspects of their life. They feel as adult as you are, and they don't think it's right or fair that you know everything about them. Even if they're not doing anything wrong, they feel they should be able to keep certain things private or secret. And you, on the other hand, have a slightly different point of view. First, you just want to know what's going on in their life. They're still your baby and you're curious about their highs and their lows and you want to be involved and you want to help them and support them and make sure they're okay. All of that. And we've talked in other episodes about how your connection with them will help them want to share more with you. You may also be looking at this from a more authoritarian point of view, whether you've always called the shots and demanded more obedience and are used to having full control, and it's really tough to suddenly give that up. Or maybe you're just concerned about what could happen. You just want to make sure they're making good choices. And you could be really anxious, overly anxious, you worry about pedophiles and car crashes and sexting and drinking, and it all really weighs on you. You could also feel pressure from other parents to make sure that you're as on top of things as they are. So you do have to examine your own motives for wanting to be up in their business, as they would say, or maybe they wouldn't say that. But anyway, you want to make sure that they're all valid. You have to find a middle ground where both you and your kids are satisfied with what you know and what they can keep private from you. Obviously, this struggle between parents and teenagers is not a new phenomenon. Our parents wanted to know where we were and when we'd be home. They wanted to know who we were with and what we were doing with them, generally. 
usually. But what was different then? A huge thing was different then. We didn't have cell phones. Before we could drive, I remember that I would have to be dropped off at a movie theater and then get in line after the movie to call my mother to come pick me up. Later, when I was driving, I'd leave the house and say, you know, I'll be back in three, four, or five hours, and there was no communication. Maybe you grew up with a bag phone, or later a flip phone, maybe even a smartphone. But Life360 came out in 08, a year after the iPhone, and in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, that's actually why its founder created it, for relatives to find each other. Today, it's used by 33 million people worldwide. And now, apparently, teenagers are just tracking each other. Everybody's tracking everybody. And of course, smartphones put online porn and pedophiles and cyberbullies and sexting and drug buying right into our kids' pockets. So smartphones made it both possible to track and necessary to filter and monitor. And with the phones, parents' concerns about other risky business also increased. Things like kids planning to sneak out in the middle of the night or meet up to buy drugs or snag a bottle of booze. All very legit reasons for concern. Again, examine your own motives for any monitoring or snooping before you decide what you think is necessary for your kid's health and safety. You have to weigh their own abilities to use self-control and make good decisions, and each child can be very different. You might have a real daredevil or risk taker and one who's a major rule follower, one who has ADHD. You know your kids. And just because you allow something with one doesn't mean that you do the same with the other. Before putting anything in place, you have to engage each kid in a conversation. You should come to a mutual understanding with them about what is private what's 100% under their control and what is open territory and under what circumstances all those things may need to change. These cannot be unilateral decisions on your part. In other words, setting up any covert spying, snooping, monitoring, or tracking is a big no-no. Discuss it up front and get their buy-in if at all possible. Talk about why you feel it's necessary. Get their opinion. Ask for their input and listen to what they say. Give them the same respect you would another adult during that conversation. Discuss your values and the risks and safety and give them good reasons for why you'd like these things in place. And remember to check your own motivation. Make sure it's justified. Also remember that any monitoring you do cannot be done in a vacuum. As I said in episode 55, when we were discussing social media, you must balance monitoring with instruction and coaching and understandings up front, teaching them about how to navigate their online world. And this goes for all monitoring, checking up on them or invading their privacy for anything If it's worthy of monitoring, it's certainly worthy of teaching and guiding them how to navigate it. If you're monitoring where they go, what is it they need to understand about this? Where should they not be going? What should they be careful of? What agreements have you reached about all of these things? Just remember that only putting external controls in place 
doesn't teach them anything. And it could actually do more harm than good because they won't understand why they shouldn't be doing certain things. That does not support their autonomy, anything but. And if you're not supporting their autonomy by discussing these issues, agreeing on the rules up front, deciding what type of monitoring or checking will be done, and you just start going into their phone or in their room or backpack or whatever, you're threatening their autonomy and you can count on their resentment, which breeds arguments and rebellion and a rift in your relationship, which means they certainly won't be voluntarily telling you anything and will be even less likely to listen to you about anything. Also, take a hard look at each app or each thing you want to do as far as monitoring or checking up on them. Again, I can't stress this enough. Ask yourself whether it's just to make you feel better, to satisfy some need for control or need to know, or if it's really going to help them stay safe somehow. For example, in the case of Life360, do they feel safer Are you using it when they're traveling a long distance at night by themselves, or are you using it all day every day? Do you end up questioning them about everywhere that little dot shows up? Does it cause arguments between you? Does it actually stress you out to see where they are, like a couple of people mentioned to me this week? Let's look at it this way. Just because you can monitor their every move, doesn't mean you should or you have to. Back when I talked about overparenting or being a helicopter parent in episode 14, I said essentially the same thing. Ask yourself how necessary the particular support you're giving is relative to what your kid is developmentally capable of doing himself or herself. And in this case, that support is in the form of monitoring. The point is to allow them the space to grow up with some safety features in place and then slowly remove those features. As Amy Lang said about content filters in episode 83, you use filters and monitoring when they're younger, teach them what they need to know, and at around age 12, you can remove those filters and leave the monitoring. This is when she was talking about adolescence and porn. And what you want to do is gradually move them from the baby bucket in the back seat to the front seat with a seatbelt. We have to gradually allow them more and more autonomy as they learn how to navigate certain things, make better decisions, and fend for themselves. We have to consider the kind of trouble they could get into. We have to consider the likelihood that something bad will happen and how much good that particular monitoring will actually do. Because if all you're doing with it is catching them after they've done something wrong so you can punish them for it, you might as well not have it at all. Again, the goal is to teach our kids the skills they'll need by the time they leave the nest. Ask yourself how much control you actually need. How much does it take to keep them safe and still allow them the autonomy to make decisions and possibly make some mistakes while they're still living in the home with you? And last, consider what I said in episode 39 about the main reason teens lie to you. 
They often lie because they feel their autonomy is threatened, that you're encroaching on their personal domain, their right to make decisions about certain things, have a say in what they do, where they go, what secrets they keep. When they feel you've stepped over the line, they'll just lie to you. Another good reason to give them their space as much as possible. This is what you'd usually consider in their personal domain. Anything regarding their friends or romantic interests, who they like, who they're upset with, why they may be upset, what they've said to somebody, anything they've written, texted, messaged on their phone or any app, anything that has to do with personal taste, like clothes, hair, jewelry, makeup, music, media, anything they read, anything they listen to, (laughs) podcasts, whatever, their bedroom, their bathroom, their backpack, handbag, gym bag, whatever they keep things in, what they eat or drink. And as I've said many times before, per Professor Lawrence Steinberg, If it's not dangerous, unhealthy, unethical, illegal, or likely to close some door better left open, it's in their personal domain. The exceptions to this would be when you have a real legitimate reason to believe something's up and you should be involved in their life enough to be able to use your intuition here, you know, as well. So if it does fall into one of these categories, that's the only time to go poking around in their privacy. If you feel they're doing something dangerous, illegal, etc., then you, of course, you're obligated to check it out. It would be great if you could discuss it with them first, but if you feel you can't and it's necessary to keep them safe or out of some bad trouble, you may have to risk a hit to your relationship with them and do your snooping. But... You have to be careful not to be constantly looking for an excuse to snoop or monitor. More teaching and guiding could mean that you could back off of some of the monitoring, snooping, or invading their privacy as you go, as they grow. Go back and listen to episode 15 on autonomy. Remember that your goal is to teach them skills for adulthood, and to do that, you must support their autonomy. Listen to them. Take their opinion into consideration. Give them space. Agree with them up front about monitoring and privacy and what's going to happen, and don't breach that agreement without a darn good reason. Let them learn and grow and make mistakes as long as that mistake is not going to potentially put them in danger. It's not unhealthy or unethical, illegal, etc. Be brave. Take baby steps. You can do it. I'll have all the links to all the other shows that I mentioned in the show notes for you. That's it for Speaking of Teens today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoy the show, I would really appreciate it if you would share it with your fellow Marines, your drum circle, jazzercise class, your knitting group, your foraging partners, your cat lovers club, whomever. And please join us in the Speaking of Teens Facebook group. It's one way that we can support each other on this journey. The link is right there at the very bottom of the show description in your app. Until next time, remember, a little change goes a long way.